Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back, my friends, to Fragmenters. Today is going to be an awesome episode, but before you get to meet our guest, I am letting you know that if you like, subscribe, and review my podcast, it really helps to get our listenership out there to more women. So if you could do that, I'd appreciate it. Now, I am going to introduce Bernadette Bowes. She is here to help you become a powerhouse leader in your personal and work lives. Hello, Bernadette. Hi, how are you? I am great on this Halloween. <laughs> yeah, yes. Happy, happy, happy Halloween. For sure, for sure. Alrighty. So who are you? I know what you help us do, but who are you? Who am I? I am a um, Atlanta-based woman who loves pickleball, loves puppies, and who loves empowering other people to be the best that they can be. Awesome. So what got you into this? Like, what's been your trajectory from start to badassery? (laughs) Well, that's a 30-year journey question. But to wrap it up is I am a ex-corporate executive who in late 2007 was fired by her mentor of 12 years and went on a kind of a discovery journey, which what I call my excavation of my soul and trying to understand why I was standing in the middle of a parking lot with a pink slip in my hand after being so loyal and so dedicated and so hardworking and just, you know, doing everything that I thought was expected of me when it comes to performing at work. And yet through my discovery journey, I came face to face with a nasty bitch in the mirror who happened to be me. (laughs) And all of a sudden that is what kind of revealed itself as to why someone I revered and respected so much would actually just cut ties with me simply because I wasn't the type of leader that was going to be able to you know, take the business to the next level. But more so, I wasn't the type of leader that the people in the company needed and the business wanted. So that that kind of firing, I'll have to call it, led me to then kind of writing about all of those lessons learned and best practices and those pains and joys within my book, Shedding the Corporate Bitch, Shifting from Bitch to Rich in Life and Business. And that all of a sudden became everything that I built my coaching and consulting business around. That is, you know, really providing tools, tips, resources, and my shift to riches formula to empower individuals, corporate professionals to be a powerhouse leader and to do it with kindness and service and heart and not with an iron fist. Man, that takes so much courage to reflect and be able to realize that it was me. It was, that is very vulnerable to share. So I appreciate that too. 
I am an open book. It's one thing that I also realized and kind of came to grips with is that if I was, and I, I would share this with all of your listeners, if any of us, but I'll speak about myself, if I want to really know and love and trust myself, then I have to be completely transparent, raw, naked, and, you know, truthful. And so there's nothing that I would hide now, as opposed to in my past, I used to mask tons of insecurities and negativities and fears with a persona of this nasty individual, because that was the only way I knew how to hide my insecurities. And so um, nowadays, and for probably I would say the last eight years, I just don't have anything to hide because I love myself. All my mistakes, all my beauty marks, all my warts, everything. I just appreciate where I've been and where I'm going. So yeah, I'm an open book you know, and to the, to the dismay of some of my family and friends. <laughs> I understand that. I... Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yes. Now, when I'm talking to you about this, you said it's been eight years since you were fired that in 30 years, that means 22 years you were in the corporate structure and you were in the executive suite. Mm -hmm. Do you, and this may not be the case, but it kind of came to me. Do you feel that part of your quote unquote bitchiness was because that's what had to get you there to start with. No, no, it wasn't. No. That was that that's an excuse that mm -hmm. too many people lean on, especially women mm -hmm. that we lean on. And because think about it, if we're shifting and adjusting to, you know, if we're shifting and adjusting to a P and to be somebody that we're not, you know, that's just as bad as the actual, sh you know, shift that one might be making to kind of, you know, disguise and, and cover up all their insecurities. And that, that I had to also admit and learn about myself. So my, you know, my little transformation actually happened because in my early 20s, in the environment that I was in, both personally and, and professionally, I kind of liked, and not kind of, I got off on how power position and prosperity was abused in order to, for people to get what they wanted. Oh. So here I'm in college with very affluent fellow students. I'm one of 12 children out of Philadelphia, very, very middle class. And here I'm going, you know, I'm surrounded by all this money and all this you know, material, materialism and whatnot. And I like the fact that they threw around their money and they threw around their attitudes and they threw around their egos in order to get what they wanted. And so it wasn't what people typically look at and saying, oh, did you feel, did you feel, you know, not good enough or, or confident enough in the workplace and therefore you masked it to, to, you know, stand up against the men and, and corporate. And eh, no, I mean, that's, that's a cop out. I don't know if mine was better or worse in mm -hmm. that, you know, I decided to do it because I liked how, what, you know, the result people got as a result of being nasty, being curt, being dismissive, being intimidating, that kind of thing. But again, that was all stemming from, 
everything opposite of that. I mean, my insecurities and my feelings of intimidation and not being good enough and not fitting in, that all festered and was projected into this nasty individual that I was for a long time. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, I had to come face to face with her and then make decisions around how do I shed her? Wow. That is so great. Now you said you went to college. What did you go to college for? I was a business management major down mm-hmm. in South Florida. Yeah. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be a CEO. I wanted to be a corporate executive. I wanted to run businesses. So it was all centered around business management. Awesome. And did you know that going into it or is that what it shifted into after starting? Because I know a lot of people change majors. No, I, you know, I knew when my mother, you know, will remind me or at the time would remind me that I always wanted to kind of carry a briefcase and, and, you know, rule the corporate world, maybe because of my father, you know, worked in corporate and Mm -hmm. was a corporate executive, then he did turn into an entrepreneur. So I almost like mirrored his path. (laughs) But no, I was very clear. I always had have been since I was a kid. I've been always very clear to my path and my direction. Nice. So what was your this is this is difficult and you can speak to either, but I want to know what your biggest obstacle was in your career. And it could be either this or your shift into your current coaching. Yeah, I summed up what my biggest challenge was in corporate. And that was just, I was very successful in corporate. And that's why I climbed the ladder to C-level position, but my leadership styles. So that was probably my biggest misstep, not failure. I don't like that word. So after that, I would say in the last um, 12, 14 years through, well, through my entrepreneurial process, it's probably that in my first six months, I invested in my first six months, about $150,000 into a coaching IP, intellectual property company. Mm -hmm. And I left that company probably in an additional six months. So within the first year of my being out on my own, I invested $150,000 that was gone before that year was up. I decided that what I thought I was purchasing wasn't better than what I and my experience were going to be able to business. So I had to move on from that and kind of eat $150,000. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, you might say that. <laughs> I you mean, you might say that. It, yes. In order to grow, you have to go through those growth pains. Guess well, and I don't believe in regrets, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't, I don't really understand the concept. I mean, I understand the definition, but for me, I have never, ever as high in, you know, in success I've been and in low, low, dark abyss I have been, I don't regret anything that I've done in my life. And I don't, I've never really dwelled in it. So even when all of a sudden I realized that within this six month period, I just lost $150,000 in a blink of the eye. I just kind of said, okay, so what do I learn from that? What do I take with me, you know, forward? What do I throw away because it didn't, you know, didn't satisfy and keep moving forward, period, end of story. 
That's awesome. I'm actually going through that right now. We handed over the keys today to one of our business ventures that we had to close after a year. So um, it was, yeah, it was very devastating to make that decision. It Luckily, everyone who came loved it. We did not have a single complaint. It was just that it was so new and different that not a lot of people came. So we weren't able to keep it open. So I'm right. incredibly grateful for it. And I learned so much. I learned what I am not willing to give up in order to provide something for the community, which is my entire life for a year. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's it. I think it's so important. And I'm very grateful that you shared your experience so that now I can share mine. We have to talk about our missteps, not, not our failures, but right. just what brought us here. So thank you. And quite on, and quite honestly, I'm even, you know, I've even been kind of, uh, what would you call it? I've been coached, I guess, is the, is the word I'll use, but over the last like six months about gifts, that all of these things are gifts. And I really never looked at things like that. That gets into the, a lot of the woo woo space that I just never imagined myself being in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But it it's but they, that's what they are. If you really look at it, all of these experiences and events and encounters that we have, good, bad, and ugly, they are gifts to us because we do walk away with something. In my case, one hundred fifty thousand less than I had before. Right. But at the same time, I had tremendous relationships. I had tremendous partnerships. I had. I gained tremendous knowledge and lessons and what I would do differently and what I would continue doing. And I grew as an individual and as a woman and as a leader so much in that year, more so than I did in the 25 years previous to that. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic way of looking at it and it helps gratitude. I love gratitude every day. Uh, there's uh, something called, every day. yep. There's something every. called the G code. And I put in five things I'm grateful every morning when I wake up because mm -hmm. that was a good shift for me too. Right. So I've been doing, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I actually, it's right here on the ground. I actually been doing the, uh, the, uh, the magic from Rhonda Burns and it's a 28 day gratitude type of program. It's, mm -hmm. and it's a book. And the foundation of it, the magic, is very similar to what you just said with the G-code. And that is every morning you write out 10 things that you're grateful for, but then you kind of put an exclamation point at the end of it that says, thank you, thank you, thank you for each one of those. So uh, that might be something, you know, you or your listeners might want to look up. And it, it's been a great, I'm in day 14 right now. And I've always had a gratitude process, but it hasn't been as consistent as I like to be in writing. Mm -hmm. I have it every day in my prayers and in my, in my thoughts, but I, you know, I kind of get inconsistent with it in my writing of it. And yep. so I picked this up and it's been great. I just added it to my wish list. I wasn't yeah. being a dick and texting someone. I was adding it to my oh, wish no, list. Oh, no, no. I, I, no, no, no. I wasn't questioning what you were doing. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. And you're right. As soon as I started, because I do, like you said, you pray, you meditate, things come up. I'm 
I have a game at dinner where everyone in the family says something that they're grateful for. So it's, it's big in my life, but as soon as I started writing it down, especially in the morning, because then I start. And when I, when I go over my gratitudes, I try not to just say, I'm grateful for having food and I'm grateful for my family. I think of the food that we have and I've consumed and you feel it and it just sets your day up for success. It does. I have, you know, my morning routine used to be only 10 minutes and now it's about 45 because Mm -hmm. um, I have just this full routine and, and a good part of it is I read one devotional passage from Jesus Calling by Sarah Young and it's, you know, 365 every day, you know, throughout the year. And then from there, I read the, one of the chapters from the magic, and then I do my 10 gratitudes, and then I repeat those gratitudes with thank you, thank you, thank you at the end of each one of them. And to your point, the 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 whole power of the gratitude is also not only saying, like you said, uh, you know, I'm thankful for the food in front of me, but why? Why are you thankful? Like, what does it do for you? I'm thankful for my puppy who is sleeping right now, very quietly, allowing me to have this conversation with you, you know, that type of thing. And it is, it's extremely powerful and transformative. All of a sudden you're, you're, you know, like you said, I start my day with my routine Mm -hmm. and uh, all of a sudden you have a smile on your face and you feel lighter and happier as you go into your day. Um, And I feel that morning is the best time to do it as well. And yeah. it's not bad to be grateful at night, but oh, it just, for me, I'm, I've never organically been a morning person. Right. So starting my day <laughs> off intentionally grateful, it really right. helps. Yeah. 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 You're right. I mean, I go to bed and for, uh, before I, I, you know, go off to sleep is my prayer and my gratitudes again, um, but in my mind and here mm-hmm. it's on paper when I do it in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually weasels us into the next question what's helped you the most and to tackle on to that you can talk about that but can you also tell us how your corporate work has helped you move into entrepreneurship if at all oh yeah oh oh I love corporate and I was really good at corporate Mm -hmm. I'm one of 12 children so my dad ran our household like a corporate organization functions and roles and responsibilities yeah so um it it prepared me. I'm going to answer that question first, and then I'll come back to the other question. Corporate absolutely prepared me for having structure and processes and procedures and systems in my own business, in my own Mm -hmm. practice. Now I went through a major shift and a major change when all of a sudden, especially as a, an executive, I had tons of people and, and resources and infrastructure to, you know, if, if my phone wasn't working, I just go, Hey, Joe, take my phone. If, if my, you know, if I needed my email fixed, I'd be like, Hey, Sally, could you fix my email? And then all of a sudden I'm on my own and I'm like, okay, so where's my IT department and my marketing department and my HR department. And, you know, and all the mirror said is you, 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 and you. (laughs) So, so that was a huge, a huge shift for me. However, if I did not have that structure and framework from corporate to, you know, bring into my, into my corporate or into my entrepreneurial experience, then I probably would have stumbled a great deal trying to figure out how to formulate and how to structure all of this. The, the second thing I'll just add real quick is 
it provided me also, especially at the very beginning, I was still very, very formal and polished. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, executives are, you know, they're, they're purposely molded into being very polished, very professional, very formal. And that helped tremendously too, because when I'm out prospecting and networking and I'm up against entrepreneurs who don't have that kind of training, I'm coming across very kind of pulled together, sophisticated, you know, and kind of empowered is not the right word, but armed with, you know, great background and experience. I've, I've had a let, I wanted to let a lot of that formality go because I'm very lackadaisical and I'm very laid back and I could, I'm very energetic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But at the same time, I like to also be very casual and conversational. So then your second question was, remind me. <laughs> Just what's helped you most oh, yeah. in. It, yeah. What's helped me, yeah. I would say what's helped me most is my journaling. Um, I'm a journal writer, have been since, you know, since I was about eight. And so I use my journaling to purge all the good, bad, and the ugly out of my head and my heart onto paper and really not even paid attention to what I'm writing. But then when I need to work on something and I need to gain self-awareness, like for instance, when I was facing myself in the mirror, realizing what a nasty individual I was, I, you know, I kind of formulated what I call my shift to riches formula, which is a five-step self-discovery and transformation formula where, you know, I was then able to articulate kind of discovering who I am and asking about a hundred questions of myself of who I am, confronting the good, the bad, the ugly, making a decision to shed what I didn't want and didn't like people, places, things, and my inner stuff holding on to what I did want, which I call honoring my riches. So mm -hmm. I could create and accelerate all the new, bigger, different, and better that I wanted in my life. And so between the journaling and finding this structure, this five steps of a shift to riches formula, that continues to help me because I use it to this day. The minute I get stuck or overwhelmed, or I have a decision I need to make, I kind of lean on that formula to kind of walk through and help me solve whatever it is that I'm working on. So I would say that, but I, lastly, I want to say one more thing, network, mm -hmm. uh, coach, coaching and networking. I've had a coach since I was about, whoa, about mid, mid thirties, mid thirties, mentors or coaches, people, someone I trust and, you know, has my back mm -hmm. and really relying on them to kind of give it to me straight. Yes. I've heard recently your network is your net worth. And I love that. Love that because it really, I mean, not saying that everyone you have in your network, you use and you're taking their money, but having so many people in your cor corner really is your net worth. Right. It's, it's dollars to donuts. It's donuts all day. No. <laughs> well, except the, an underlying meaning of that set of that phrase mm -hmm. is actually the five people closest to equates to your your net worth so if you're looking around your closest friends family the people that are influencing you each and every day you have to look at them and say are they the 
the, uh, you know, are they the quantity of what it is I'm trying to, you know, trying to achieve not only money, but in all aspects. So, you know, yes, your network is your net worth and just make sure. And that's where I really had a shed. I, I literally had a shed about 99.9% of the people, places, and things out of my life that were supporting and advocating my nastiness. Right. And so uh, that was a very lonely year, year and a half before I started attracting the type of people, places, and things I wanted in my life. But, and my success mirrored that network. That makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah. So you want to kind of be very diligent about who is in your close five-person circle. Yeah, that's super important. So do you feel it's important for women to be in the executive level of corporations or to say, fuck it and just start their own businesses? Or how important do you feel it is for women to do that? Well, I think the underlying common theme there is should they be in leadership roles, whether mm-hmm. it's entrepreneurial, corporate, or even in the community and in their household. And I would say absolutely. One of the one of the major speaking topics I speak on and I study is the ROI of women in business. Oh, really? You know, because there's a lot of statistics, there's a lot of data, a lot of research around the fact that insert a woman into, you know, whether it's the VP level or the C-suite or onto a board and you gain, you gain greater equity, greater ROI, greater customer loyalty, greater employee retention. There's so many hard metrics that can be directly correlated to having women in a leadership role. Let alone, you know, women are known to be nurturers and therefore empathy and compassion and you know, emotional intelligence get all rolled into there. You know, right now everybody's talking about psychological safety in the workplace, mental health, maybe psychological safety is the more corporate way of saying mental health. But, and, and I think you're going to find that women are going to lead that charge because they understand it. You know, they're more empathetic and sympathetic and compassionate toward it. So yeah, we absolutely need to be elevating women into key, key, key roles throughout the ecosystem. Yes. I love that. I actually was looking because I work for the federal government and they push inclusion, diversity. And I started looking up statistics on women in the federal government versus elected women and positions. And there is definitely a discrepancy there. And it was not eye-opening. I actually expected it when I went looking for it and I tried to prove myself wrong. I don't care what anyone says. I do try to prove myself wrong when these things come up. But I was hoping that because the federal government is the pioneer for inclusion and diversity, or they're trying to become that way, that you would see it more in those roles, but it it's still in the elected officials' there. roles or in federal roles, in elected elected federal officials. Okay, like so, are we talking like governors and senators? Yes. And, okay, but okay, but real quickly in regards to that, mm-hmm. I would say the reason why that's going to be more challenging than 
what the government can control within their own branches is the fact that you have the population very much who are old school, very much who are biased, very much who are, you know, pushing discrimination and pushing the, the you know, the, the equity and equality card in the direction of not bringing in women. I mean, we yeah. could talk about the laws that they're trying to pass right now about, you know, abortion right. and what. <laughs> and you can see, you know, just where that that disparity comes from. So I think that'll be a big, big, big challenge, you know, for a very, very, very long time, unfortunately, because, yeah. the, you know, the population that's voting is still very heavily biased against women in leadership roles. Yep. That's a very good point. I'm glad you brought it up because I was just like, but it's not the federal government that fills these positions. So right. they right. say it doesn't control it. Right. No, it's, you know, yeah. I mean, but at the same time, if everybody will just, you know, especially your generations too, mm-hmm. will just keep, you know, advocating and pushing for it and raising their voice. And even if it means yelling and screaming on top of a podium, for equity and equality for women, then, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful for the future. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's, it just, you want to beat your head against the wall because you would think in 2022, it's very different and it's just not. Right. And that's why I'm here because <laughs> I can be a voice, even yes. though I, I'm so glad I don't record video just for everyone. It is Halloween. I'm dressed up as a gnarly witch (laughs) having this lovely conversation. Bernadette is a pro and so professional. She didn't even give it away. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, no reason. um, I do. I don't, you know, usually dress like this. If I did, it wouldn't matter anyway. But it wouldn't matter anyway. I can use this platform and push it to the next gen. And then it will get even better. I mean, when you were looking up to people older than you, they weren't able to do near what you, when I say people, I mean women, they weren't able to do nearly what you can do today. So we'll just keep on keeping on. That's right. Keep on keeping on. That's good. So what advice would you give someone who's wanting to I'd like to know someone who's wanting to get into the executive space and not lose themselves because you said that was pretty rough for you. Yeah, I would say, so my whole philosophy, if you ever, you know, uh, look at my website or, or Google me in any way, my philosophy is life is 80% mindset, 20% skill set. And what I mean by that is where, whether you're young coming up in the ranks entrepreneurially or corporately, or you're even seasoned. And if you aren't spending 80% of your day really tapping in and learning about yourself, who you are, who you want to, who, you know, who you are, who you want to be, who you don't want to be, what you want, what you don't want, what, what is important to you? What are your values? What are your, um, what are your uh, passions and dreams? If you're not spending 80% of your time tapping into that, then you're going to be pursuing a corporate ladder that is going to be dictated by other people. And -hmm. therefore you're going to fall victim to all of a sudden molding yourself into something that they think you should be. And therefore you're going to lose yourself and lose your life work. What I call life work blend. I don't believe in balance. 
uh, but mm-hmm. life work blend, you're going to lose yourself and what is important to you because you aren't driving the ship. Someone else is driving it because you don't know what you want. You don't know who you are. You don't know what your real goals are. So mm-hmm. I would just simply tell anyone that every day you should be practicing asking yourself questions, doing gratitudes, but learning about yourself and really getting grounded and confident and secure in it. So then you, you know, you will ensure that you're putting yourself and your, you know, livelihood first, as opposed to letting somebody else put theirs in front of yours. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, what's the best advice that you've received? Oh my, (laughs) boy. Well, only because I have so much, but I'll remember the, this one time I was in my early 20s. I was already in corporate while I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I wanted this buyer position. And I wanted it bad. And I knew I earned, you know, that I deserved it and, and that I was capable of doing it, even though the women around me were 5, 10, 15 years older than I was. And I went into the CEO's office and I told him, I want this, I want this position. It's opened. I'm capable. I'm ready. I'm deserving. Blah, blah, blah. And he said, it's not your time. And he said, just, you know, learn as you go, you know, forward is that there'll be times where it's just not your time. Mm -hmm. And yet when it is your time, it's going to be that much better. Well, I kicked and screamed and bitched and complained. And, you know, and when that person came into that position that I wanted, because I didn't get it, I just, I, you know, I probably treated them like crap. Mm-hmm. because that's who I was at the time. And and then not even nine months, a year later, a bigger, better, different job came up and I was slotted in there. And I held on to that, you know, and I still bring it up, obviously, mm-hmm. um, because I think we're so impatient and we're so stubborn around what it is that we want, that we don't realize that what we, it, it could be that what we don't get is the best thing that we'll ever have. Yeah. So that would be what I, the lesson that I learned. That is so good. It really, the bad was a gift. Not Mm -hmm. getting that was a gift. You Mm -hmm. circled it all the way back. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) But I truly believe that too. There are times I was dating someone and it didn't work out and it was detrimental and he was my soulmate and you're just look back and you're like, that was a lifesaver. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, let's not get into the guy conversation because then, (laughs) then my life is one big mess. No, we don't got it. We don't got to get (laughs) there. So I usually like to ask what book you're reading. Are you doing anything besides the magic? Well, the magic, Jesus calling. And then Mm -hmm. I am revisiting uh, two books, the power of now by Eckhart yes. Tolle and uh, Think and Grow Rich by Norman Peale. I've read both of them. Good yeah. books. Awesome books. Awesome. I love and Think I do, and Grow Rich. It's so quick. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it's it's kind of, it's quick. And yet at the same time, you sit with it and you're just like, holy crap, this was written in the industrial age. And yet it's so relevant today. It's yeah. so relevant today. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Now, I think it's important to have a good work-life blend. I'm totally using that now. It's so good. But it's life work. It's life work blend. Life work. Work life. 
Yes. Putting, putting life first, work, blend. Yes. You yes. work to live. You don't live to work. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So what do you do for fun? I, two things. Well, I do a bunch of stuff, but two <laughs> core things would be puppies and pickleball. So I have a puppy, but I also have a lot of visitors to my property, to my house mm -hmm. uh, on a daily basis. So I'm, I'm like obsessed with puppies and I think dogs are just easier to handle than people. You know, they're just, they're just sometimes easier to handle than people. So that, and then I play a massive amount of pickleball. Are you familiar with pickleball? I have never heard of pickleball. <laughs> and probably your community hasn't either. Pickleball is a combination of ping pong, tennis, and bat. So it's on a smaller court than tennis. It's used a wiffle ball with a round paddle. And it's just a very quick and snappy and energetic and such fun of a court game. And it started in the senior community, you know, mm -hmm. like the average age was like 70. And now the number one uh, girl in the world, pro woman in the world is 15. And the number oh, one nice. man in the world is 22. So it's taking over. It's the fastest growing sport in the, in the country, if not the world right now. That's awesome. I'll have yeah. to look into it. That yeah. sounds fun. Yeah. So I compete as well as I, I do. I play rec but I also compete and I love it. Well, yeah. I love puppies and pickles. So that's close. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. We have that in common. <laughs> but I will look if there's any pickleball here. If anything, I know my son will love it. Where are you? I'm in Idaho. Oh uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's everywhere. It's mm -hmm. everywhere. And so I don't, how old is your son? Uh, well, I have three. One is 10, one's 14, and one's 16. Yeah, all three of them. Mm -hmm. All three of them would love. I play with. I played in a tournament with a 12-year-old. Oh, really? Guy, the 12-year-old boy, he was 6'2". I was like, uh, oh, my God. Um, my 14-year-old yeah. dwarfs us. He is almost six foot. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. Yeah, uh, yes. If uh, And I'd be surprised if he hasn't heard of pickleball only because it is so geared to the youth right now in schools and you know outside school activities that kind of thing yeah yeah all right well that's really all <laughs> I had for you Bernadette but well, this, this has been a pleasure awesome conversation I really appreciate meeting you absolutely it's been a pleasure meeting you as well uh, okay, thank you for so, having me well there's one last thing oh what we can't go without plugging you. So oh. <laughs> we need to know where everyone can get a hold of you. If you have any socials, if you have a website, you said your book. So plug it again, that kind okay. of stuff. Awesome. Sure. So uh, I'm Bernadette Bowes on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I am, uh, well, Bernadette Bowes on Facebook as well. Instagram, I do have an Instagram page. It's at ball of fire Bernadette. And of course, you can go to my website, ballofirecoaching.com. And on there, I just wrote a, a, a short but powerful ebook all around the three must-have myths of success. And basically, it talks about kind of the old school myths that we all found out to be so false and untrue and don't follow those old school 
you know, myths. And then I just share kind of how do you get recognized and rewarded and appreciate it for the work that you are doing and contributing to. Well, that's awesome. I will definitely find you on LinkedIn, put all your links in the description. I'll find your book. Where do you sell it? Oh, the book. I'm sorry. Yes. Shedding the Corporate Bitch is on Amazon as well as on my website. And I have a podcast myself, uh, Shedding the Corporate Bitch. Awesome. Then I will link all the things in our show (laughs) notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. This No problem. Thank you, Bernadette. And you have a fantastic Halloween. Yes, you do. (laughs) You look great. (laughs) All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff. We put the hammer.